the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Horses Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. For those of you who haven't heard the show before, hey, welcome. I know we get new listeners every week, but the, the general concept of the show, the first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. And I can tell you right now, avoiding probate, avoiding going through court should be a top priority right now because going through court is taking longer than it should because we're still backlogged from the COVID crisis. So if you have assets, you don't want to use your will to transfer those assets to your children because your will will go through probate if you have assets in your name alone. That will cause a delay. And that's one of the things that we talk about at our seminars and a good part of our seminars is, you know, how to avoid probate. And if you want to hear any of our seminars, Michael, when are the seminar times, dates? So our seminars coming up next week are Tuesday, July 27th in Marine Park at Buckley's, 2926 Avenue S at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Once again, that's Tuesday, July 27th at Buckley's in Marine Park, 2926 Avenue S, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Wednesday, July 28th in Maspeth at Connolly's. We have seminars at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Once again, that's Connolly's, 7117 Grand Avenue in Maspeth, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. on Wednesday, July 28th. Thursday, July 29th, we have our seminars right here in Bay Ridge, 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. at the Bay Ridge Manor, 476 76th Street. That's the Bay Ridge Manor, 476 76th Street, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. on Thursday, July 29th. Finally, Friday, July 30th, we only have two seminars that day in Bayside, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. at the Adria Hotel, 22117 Northern Boulevard. Once again, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. on Friday, July 30th in Bayside at the Adria Hotel, 22117 Northern Boulevard. Now listen, there's no cost to attend the seminars, but we do ask that you get reservations so we can properly have the seating plan in order for, for how many people are coming in. So if you want to call for an appointment, call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And, and as I mentioned before, a good part of the seminar is avoiding probate. 
And if you want to learn how to do those things, show up to the seminar, ask your questions. If you want, at the end of the seminar, we can uh, schedule an appointment for you to see me at one of our offices. Again, we have offices in Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Manhattan. And, and meanwhile, this part of the show, usually we take email questions. Michael, can you give us the email address? Absolutely. If you want to send us an email question, you can reach us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors, Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S, at gmail.com. Okay, now, Beth, ordinarily we would take an email question now, but I think you're going to combine uh, a, a couple of email questions into one. Can you please comment? Yes. And it's it's also everybody. Well, if you're new to the show, no. But I mean, we have a lovely dog Otto that we love dearly, a little Schnauzer, miniature Schnauzer. And um, if something were to happen to us, what would happen to Otto? Well, questions. I mean, we have a variety of email questions. Um, things like, well, can we designate a certain person? to take care of our pet because it could be a dog a cat bird um and a lot of people are very concerned about what will happen do they'll say well do I've, well what happened do they kill do they kill my pet if i don't so anyway i know their pet trust and people don't understand pet trust so i'm just going to throw it at you mike can you please explain the whole thing how how you can protect your little loved one, what, whatever, if it's a dog, cat, what if bird, it's a, fish. What if it's a Kangor dog, which our client oh. a couple of weeks ago had? A Kangle, a Kangle. <laughs> Kangle dog. Kangle? Those well, dogs that, are like okay. 250 pounds, so we want to protect big dogs as long as little dogs? Well, that's the question. How do we protect any any one of our pets that we love? Okay. Is there a way? Well, you know, a lot of times you hear stories and you hear jokes. You know, the lady left everything to her cats, left the house to her cats. Well, technically, you can't leave a house to your cats. But you can set up a trust for your cats and leave your cats and, let's say, whatever assets you want and trust for the cats. We need a person to be in charge of that trust. We need a human being to be able to transfer the assets to take care of the pets, to transfer the pets too. Because, you know, no matter how much you love them, a cat, a dog, horse in some cases, is not a human being. They can't sign documents. They can't sign receipts. So we need a human being in charge to be in charge of the pet and to be in charge of the, the trust. You can leave... Any amount of money, any amount of assets in trust for an animal. Uh, the trust, in theory, in New York can not last more than 21 years for the benefit of a pet. 98% of the time, that's not a problem. Occasionally, you have a weird problem where you have a parrot or uh, you know, a turtle or something like that where you have to try to make a contingency plan. But ordinarily, a trust for the benefit of a pet cannot last more than 21 years in New York. And you have to have somebody else be the trustee and, and maybe you want a successor trustee now a, a lot depends on on who's living with you you know like to protect the pet you know let's say you have parents and they have kids well ordinarily the kids are going to take care of the pet the problem is for those people who are single don't have a spouse and don't have children then we got to figure out a plan we might want to set up a trust and have the name person as a successor trustee or even as trustee now who in effect would own the pet and has 
you know, legal authority to take the pet after you're gone and protect that pet from the varying degrees of dangers that may be out there. And and nothing's perfect because the person has to come forward and lay claim to the, the cat, the dog, whatever other pet it is. And basically, again, you set somebody else up as a trustee for the pet. Now, one of the things I do like occasionally, some people give the pet through their will or otherwise, depending on the circumstances, to the executor to handle and with a stipend of maybe $50,000 or so to help take care of the pet. And that's good because sometimes you can have a poor person who can't afford to adequately take care of the pet, but you can leave the poor person, let's say $50,000, to help take care of the pet. And I, I sometimes I think that's a fairly good idea in, in some circumstances or whatever. But you got to talk it over, and it depends on the circumstances. I mean, if you you know you have two parents, and they live with their son or daughter, and the dog is part of the family, well, probably that son or daughter is going to take care of the pet. On the other hand, maybe you have people that you know they don't have anybody, and then maybe we got to search and think about a little bit what's going to happen. And maybe there's some you know no kill shelters out there or whatever that maybe we leave that pet to under certain circumstances and there's certain people who take care of pets and we have a little bit of a list in our office where we can recommend these people depending on whether you have a cat dog whatever so um there's a solution you may say i don't know what to do and and on a first glance we may not know what to do on a telephone call but if we sit down and talk it over i think we can have a plan to protect your pets and you know, you got to do something in some cases. Uh, yes, if you have children who live in the house, they're probably going to take care of the pets. But if you're not in that situation, you may want to put a plan together to to leave your pet in trust, leave some money to take care of your pet in trust. Yeah, you could have, and some people I've known done it, you know, that like leave their house as a residence for the pet. But if you do that, we better have enough money to keep that residence going because, you know, who's paying the real estate taxes, who's paying the insurance, so forth and so on. And, uh, you know, insurance company, if they're going to insure a house, they want somebody living there. Otherwise, the premiums will go up dramatically. But whatever it is, we've been there before. And you, if you want to schedule an appointment to talk it over, give us a call at uh, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Beth, I know you've been in a lot of seminars. You're going to be at the one seminar at the Adria this upcoming. Right. I know I'm going to be there. and I. But I want to ask one more question. Yeah. What if... What if there's not a trust and there's just a will? Well, the problem is it depends who's in the will. You know, like if the will leaves everything to two kids equally and they get along, there shouldn't be a problem. But if you have a will that you're leaving it to charities or cousins or uh, nephews and nieces even, it may take that will forever to get through probate. And meanwhile, who's got custody of the, you know, we're going to say dog in our case. Who's got custody of the dog? Right, You know, the will... You can what's get called preliminary letters to take care of the pet through the uh, through the will, but it depends on the surrogate to sign that, and the surrogate may not be sympathetic depending on which county you're in. The surrogate may not be that sympathetic to pets. So if you're really worried about it, we may want to set up a separate trust, in effect transfer a title to the pet to that trust, have a person willing to act as trustee, give them some money to handle things right away so they don't have to go through probate. Now, uh, probate. A lot of people think, well, I have a will. I won't have to go through probate. I have less than $6 million. I don't have to go through probate. No. Probate, if when you pass away, there are assets in your name alone, which could be your pet, 
If they're assets in your name alone, in order to transfer those assets, we have to go to court and get court permission. And depending on your family circumstances, that could take years, especially in today's world, COVID, you know, post-COVID world or, you know, world that's still going through COVID. It, it could take years. You know, like if you have a son or daughter, it shouldn't take years. It should take a couple of months. But maybe they're fighting. Maybe they can't be found. Maybe they disagree. Maybe they're in other states. And it could take a very long time to get through probate. So ordinarily, we don't want to go through probate. We avoid probate when we pass away. There are no assets in our name alone when we pass away. If you got real estate, you put it in the trust. You have bank accounts, you can have it in trust for a joint. There are a lot of different ways to avoid probate if you have liquid assets. It could be transfer on death, payable on death, in trust for, joint. There are a lot of ways to avoid probate on liquid assets. On real estate, the best way to avoid probate is through a trust agreement. It's your house or co-op as long as you're alive. After you're gone, it passes to the next generation. There's no court proceeding. There's no probate. In today's world, there's no taxes ordinarily if your state is under $6 million. And that's $6 million for husband, $6 million for wife. And people ask me every day of the week, well, what's going to happen? What new tax laws are going to get passed? We don't know. We have to hope for the best. Probably nothing's going to get passed in the next four or five months until the end of the year when we get to budget reconciliation because the Republicans are going to block any tax hikes through the filibuster until the end of the year when we get down to budget reconciliation. And then it depends what a handful, two, de two or three Democrats do, whether they go along with the tax hikes or not. We don't know. We hope for the best because, you know, ordinarily in these kind of circumstances, there's going to be some kind of compromise because there are Democratic senators in red states and they're going to be fearful of being thrown out of office next election cycle. So there may be some compromises. We have to hope for the best. We don't know what's going to happen. I would not panic the way some, I know some commentators are saying panic, sell everything, give it to your kids, get rid of it. Well, that might be fine and good, but you still got to take care of yourself, one. And two, we don't know what the tax laws are. And even on some of these circumstances, some of the laws say they're going to go retroactive back to the first of the year. So if you sell everything and make a gift now, it may be subject to gift tax. So it's a very tough situation to plan, and we just don't know what's going to happen. But we're going to monitor the situation every day, look at the blogs, look at the what's being proposed. But you got to remember, what's just because Bernie Sanders proposes a bill, doesn't mean it's going to get passed. Now, yeah, they're dangerous. They're dangerous circumstances right now. Fifty Democrats vote for something and budget reconciliation. The vice president votes with them. We all could be in trouble. People like in Brooklyn who bought a house for fifty thousand dollars, you know, thirty years ago, and it's worth a million dollars today. Their kids may have to pay two hundred thousand dollars in taxes under some of the proposals. Let's hope and pray it doesn't work. And if you want to write your congressman especially if you have a Democratic Congress representative, Democratic senator, tell them you don't want taxes to go up on inherited property, whether it's through the elimination of what we call the stepped-up basis or direct estate and death taxes. And, you know, some people say we're only going to tax the risk, so those people have more than $300,000, $400,000 worth of income. Well, guess what? If you sold your house for fifty, if you bought your house for fifty thousand dollars thirty years ago, and you sell it for a million dollars, you may have nine hundred fifty thousand dollars of capital gain. Guess what? You have nine hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of income. You're rich, even though you may only made twenty thousand dollars the year before, and make twenty thousand dollars the year after. So you got to be very careful when they t say tax the rich because it might mean you, even though you don't think you're rich, and. 
again, Michael, again, if somebody has a question to ask us, email. How do you do that? If you want to email us a question, you can reach us at askmikeconnors at gmail.com. That's askmikeconnors at gmail.com. Connors spelled C-O-N-N-O-R-S. We look forward to hearing from you. And again, if you want to attend the seminars, give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646. Or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646 and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Obviously, everybody knows this is an election year, but, you know, it's not the only race is not just for mayor. It's important to vote for every race. And, of course, we've got a lot of city council races across the boroughs right now. We're very pleased to have Marvin Jeffcoat who's running for the city council in Queens. Welcome to Connors Corner, Marvin. Thanks, Mike. Good to see you again. Okay, now, you've been on the show more than a few times. But what, first, can you tell us, what is your district? What, what's the number and what neighborhoods are you in? City Council District 26, which is Sunnyside, Woodside, Long Island City, and just a little bit of Astoria. Okay, and what, what's happening this year? What, who are you running against? I'm running against a young lady named Julie Wan, and she's uh, one of the seven progressives that AOC endorsed. And, you know, her agenda is just as bad as anyone else that the Democrats would have put up. And the, the issues stay the same, um, you know, safety and security, public safety, education, and, and jobs. But she's counter to everything that, that we stand for here in America. If you dig down into her website and you click on the Learn More links, you can find out more about what she proposes. Well, let me ask you something. What's your background? All right. Well, I'm, you know, I'm a... Airborne Ranger by trade, and I uh, had a very good time in the Army. But I started out my military career as a military policeman, um, and I did 22 years in the Army. And during that time, I was able to um, obtain an Associate's in Criminal Justice, a, a Bachelor's in Political Science, a Master's in International Theory, and a law degree. So, you know, I'm well-versed on um, what New York City needs. I'm also a native New Yorker. I was born in Queens General Hospital way back when in 1965, a long time ago. But, you know, things have changed and things have gotten worse. Queens used to be a nice, 
working class borough where people would want to raise a family and start a business. And that's what I kind of want to bring back to the neighborhood. That's the background. I want to return to the city so that my kids and everyone else's kids can enjoy um, at least some of the youth that I had. Okay, well, let me ask you something. If you look at your opponent's website, what do you find on it? Well, I find that uh, she wants to defund NYPD, which is the wrong answer, totally wrong-headed. They're being scapegoated. I wish Eric Adams would stand up and say something about that. Um, she wants to legalize prostitution. She wants to legalize drugs with a fentanyl crisis going on that's going to bring, um, you know, enough. they just seize enough fentanyl coming across the border to kill every American ten times over. Um, you know, she's for illegal mass immigration, and I have a fear that a lot of those young children that are being raped coming across the border now are going to be the sex workers that she wants to decriminalize, and that's, that's going to cause trauma to them, and it's going to put a blight on the neighborhood, not to mention everyone else's soul. Okay, now, philosophically, what's the problem with basically the Democratic Party in New York City right now, and why are you running? Well, you know, Democrats use the asophic technique of saying the opposite of what I mean, what they mean. And, you know, going back to the 1828 when they were formed, they were the party of slavery. They blame that on Republicans. And they're, they're com they've completely turned socialist. They're pushing critical race theory on everyone, and that's, that's one of the topics I want to get into when we get into education. But, you know, they're, 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 they're demonizing 75% of the population is, is Caucasian. And, you know, so they're turning everybody else against that 75% so that they can take control of the country. And once they've demoralized all white people, then they're going to turn their ire on everyone else. And people don't realize the very people that are in the street causing um, chaos and, and crime and, and harm are going to be the people that, that these socialist Democrats are going to get rid of as soon as they seize power completely. So it's, you know, everything they say is the exact opposite. If you look at, uh, on a federal level, their uh, For the People bill, it's the exact opposite. They, what they want to do is they want to make it easier for them to cheat in elections so that they can retain control, and there will never be another Republican elected to office ever again. Very scary. Let me ask you, critical race, um, you know, we're on radio right now. What, what's your background? I know you did your DNA test. What Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm an American of African and European descent, um, west coast of Africa, which is where most American Americans of African descent come from, um, predominantly Portuguese on my father's side, and my mother is Welsh. Um, some of the Scandinavian countries, of course, you know, the Norse, and they went up. The Vikings were all over, yeah. Correct. <laughs> so there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, some of the DNA drops off from time to time, the... Uh, the Jewish and the Italian kind of dropped off, the, but you know, those pretty strong uh, Portuguese and Spanish. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, you, because some people know exactly what you're talking about, but what's critical race theory? Well, critical race theory is a process where they teach everyone that white people are inherently racist, irredeemably inherently racist, and there's nothing they can do about it. They're just that way. And it's somehow people of color are always going to be victims because whites can't help themselves. It's like, I don't know if you saw that old movie, Reefer Madness, back in the day when they were trying to, you know, it, it was a public safety um, movie, but they had people smoking marijuana and turning into zombies. Well, that, that's kind of what critical race theory says about white people. I mean, it's totally ludicrous. 
if you look at my white foster parents, it, it, it pains me that people would paint them in that way. I mean, they're totally the opposite. That they're good, good Catholic family. Um, I came from in the second part of my childhood, and it just hurts me to think that my nephew is going to be demonized as irredeemably racist. And it's not true. It also sends a signal to blacks that, you know, you're, you're a helpless victim and you can't do anything unless the government intervenes in your life. And that's not true. All right. Well, critical race theory, maybe it's an issue, maybe it's not. But what are the issues police, defunding the police? How does your opponent stand on that issue? My opponent wants to defund the police and replace them with unarmed social workers. Now, that's not going to work when a homicide's in process, progress, or a burglary, or, you know, any of the violent crimes, property crime, or a personal crime. It's just not going to work. Um, but, you know, I feel bad for NYPD being a former military policeman. You know, I, I know what order maintenance is. I know what a show of force is. First level of force is a show of force. And, you know, that's, that's where you can do your most good if you can de-escalate situations. But she's demonizing the very people that are out there to protect minority communities and all communities. But minority communities are going to be impacted more because, unfortunately, crime occurs there more. And the NYPD is being scapegoated. It's a majority-minority force, meaning that most of NYPD is made up of minorities. So you have decent men and women of all races and ethnicities putting on a uniform every day to go out and do good and protect their fellow citizens where they can, and they're being demonized and scapegoated. And a big part of that is so that they could uh, fund their critical race theory and their race justice theory. You know, all across the country, municipalities like New York City bankrupted their jurisdictions by forcing public workers to take critical race theory-type courses on taxpayer money. So, you know, to make up for that, they want to defund police departments, but they also want to add to the chaos and insecurity so that people are forced to be dependent on the government. Sadly, very few Americans know that they're responsible for their own safety and security, and the police department's role is really order maintenance, and NYPD does an excellent job at order maintenance. All right, well, let's, you know, you talked about decriminalizing sex workers. In some respects, you say, well, it's a victimless crime. What's wrong with that? But what is wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is the techniques that they use to, to acquire prostitutes. Um, you know, they want to legalize, it, uh, they want to allow illegal immigrants to flood the border. People don't realize a lot of these children are being raped, boys and girls, and they devalue them as humans by raping them, and then they turn them on to drugs like fentanyl, and they're further devalued, and they're controlled. And the, the money that they make is going to go to someone else, unfortunately. And, you know, so they, they scrap out a meager existence. A lot of them come from very poor areas of the world, and they are the victims. I mean, somebody forced to have sex with someone else for money is a victim themselves. You know, um, the people that are going to frequent them are also going to be part of this underworld that they want to create, your drug dealers and your criminals who um, probably otherwise wouldn't be able to have sex. But it's just it's a demoralizing, dehumanizing process for someone to sell their body to make a living. Drugs right now, of course, there's, there's a lot of pressure all over the country to criminalize drug use, drug possession, drug selling of drugs. I think we've got some of the same issues involved. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, during my studies back in the 80s and 90s um, in criminal justice, it was a known fact that marijuana was a gateway drug. So, you know, people may say, well, marijuana, you just get high um, and, you know, they, they, they get hungry, they get the munchies, they're not going to go out there and rob and steal. But most people who start out with marijuana in high school, um, they, they graduate on to other things, other drugs that are more expensive and more addictive, and they, which creates more crime because now, you know, they're hooked on drugs so they're not able to maintain decent employment. So just to eke out a meager existence, they're going to have to commit crime to fuel their drug habit. So, you know, legalizing drugs is, is a problem because it just perpetuates itself. But marijuana is one thing, all right? Let's say, if nothing else, marijuana just made people um, less likely to go out there and achieve things in life, and that's what they wanted. People would say, okay, leave them alone. Okay, fine, leave them alone. But then when you start talking about things like fentanyl, and, you know, when Democrats, when they push and they introduce something, socialists, they don't stop. So if they, you know, they've gotten marijuana quasi-legal, they're going to continue on until you have things like fentanyl that are legalized. And fentanyl is a very dangerous drug because people don't realize how strong it is, and they get hooked on that stuff, and they overdose, and they die. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of deaths occur in the United States from fentanyl. And like I said earlier, they brought enough fentanyl across the border. Luckily, thank God, it was seized prior to distribution on our streets. But there was enough fentanyl seized to kill every American ten times over. Drugs well, how much get, did get through? If they seized that much, how much got through? I, you, you know, who knows, but I'm sure it's at least double. Now, let, let me ask you something. You're predominantly African-American. Very few African-Americans are involved with the Republican Party. Why are you involved with the Republican Party? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of history. You and I have talked a lot about your favorite areas of the Civil War. I guess mine would be World War II or uh, Vietnam, um, studying the tactics. But, you know, if you look at history, the Democrat Party was formed in 1828 for the purpose of maintaining the status quo of southern landowners that owned slaves, the very wealthy um, Democrats, you know, they formed that party. And the Republican Party was formed because the Whig Party was too cowardly to fight the issue of slavery. And, and, and you know, slavery was never really settled when the country formed. Um, they had their backdoor deals and, and uh, how they counted property. And, um, you know, the uh, Whigs at the time said, you know, if you want to count African humans as chattel, um, for your vote, then we're going to count our chattel. We're going to count chairs and other furniture. And, and so they kind of made a compromise. But since its inception, the Republican Party has been the party of self-reliance and freedom. A lot of people don't realize that the first um, 27 black congressmen were Republican. They don't realize that the Democratic Party formed the KKK in the South to suppress the black and, and, and Republican vote. So, you know, people are afraid of uh, getting out there on their own, maybe, and, and being self-reliant. But, you know, I've always been a self-reliant kind of person. Telling me that I can't do something is the wrong answer because I'm going to do my very best to prove you wrong. And sometimes I got in trouble for that when I was little. But, you know, as an adult, that philosophy has, has done me a lot of good. Um, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm in this race. But the Republican Party is basically the party of freedom and self-reliance, and that's why I'm a Republican. All right, Marvin, where can people out there, where can they learn more about your campaign, and, and where can they contribute? They can go to MarvinJeffcoat.com, MarvinJeffcoat.com. 
and go up on the link on the top right corner of the website and click the donate page and donate directly through um, the campaign finance board to our campaign. I'm also on Twitter at Marvin R. Jeffcoat, at Marvin R. Jeffcoat, and Marvin Jeffcoat on Facebook. Do you qualify for matching funds? Absolutely. We qualify for matching funds. We hope to bring in another $54,000, and um, you know, we'll be putting out some advertisement and trying to get the truth out there because the, uh, the other side is full of lies. They promise you pie in the sky, but there's a heavy cost to pay uh, for voting for a socialist. All right, Marvin, listen, good luck. We'll be talking to you in the future, Mark. Thanks, Mike. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hi, this is Patrick Wayne. I had the good fortune to be raised by a man of strength and courage, a man of true grit. My father, John Wayne, died of stomach cancer in 1979, and in his characteristic style, he ignored advice to keep his disease quiet and campaigned publicly to encourage preventive treatments. He inspired our family to carry on that mission. And today, the John Wayne Cancer Institute at Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California, continues to take bold steps in cancer research. The John Wayne Cancer Institute has developed novel approaches to detect cancer, establishes therapies to boost the immune system to fight what my dad called the big C, and initiated less invasive surgeries. We've made significant advances in treating melanoma and breast cancer. All this has been made possible by my father's legacy of determination and a community of supporters who have helped expand upon that legacy. For more information, visit www.jwcigiving.org. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Welcome to the Connors Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Right now is our... You know, perpetual guest, I would say, Father Paul Balicki from the Middle East. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm perpetually happy to be here. Thank you so much, Mr. Connors. Now, you're in Brooklyn right now, but you're flying to Lebanon tomorrow? Correct, yes. And it's going to be fantastic, Egyptian Airlines. And um, if you see my luggage, it's all about medical supplies. So that's going to be amazing to share everything with our friends in Lebanon, yes, since they're going through such a hard time. Okay, do you want to, because, uh, you know, obviously not everybody listens every week. Do you want to describe what happened to you on August 6th last year? Yes, so it's interesting. It's almost a year now. Time flies. Uh, we did have a huge, massive explosion in Beirut, uh, the port section, which is by the Christian uh, neighborhood side. So uh, what happened to us, we ended up actually on an empty street, and... Um, uh, I ended up also in the in the kind of um, medical emergency hospital place, 
uh, because of of the condition that I was uh, I was in. And um, what happened to us? Uh, the only thing I remember was like two first seconds of of like a strange noise, and and after you just you just wake up in a hospital in the military one, and and they telling you that the zone you know, the neighborhood you know, was wiped out, and 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 you pay the price. So. Yeah, that was a very tough moment when I woke up um, later, a few weeks after, to realize what what happened to us. Uh, and as you know, my friends, whoever is listening to us, Lebanon is a beautiful place, and it was a Christian country. And uh, and Jesus Christ were in Lebanon as well, as well in Saida, for example. So it's a very holy uh, land uh, to to actually to to remind you. And what happens to us is. It's of course politics and and anger and uh, now we have to kind of you know meet halfway and and help people because that's what we we're doing. All right, now you know some listeners. I mean, because really there wasn't a lot of press about the explosion then. What happened? And so I mean, you, you just receive the effects, but correct, what, yes. what so, happened is best to your knowledge. Absolutely. So, Mr. Connors, imagine if if uh, on the on the very uh, old boat. All explosive materials were were kept for six years, with the humidity, with with the you know weather conditions. Six years on a very creepy boat, um, they were keeping uh, explosive materials, and that's what happened. Finally, they decided to to react um, August the sixth, and um, no one knew that it actually the blast was one of the biggest um, uh, of the biggest one at that time. Uh, so even in Jordan, they felt that something just went wrong in 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 Beirut. So, which is a, a you know a neighboring country. Uh, so all these materials were kept on the boat. No one was telling people for six years what's going on. No one informed uh, local communities that you know we are living next to a, you know next to a bomb for six years. So what happened to to us was actually a result of that political correctness that you know people were lying to us and no one said anything that this boat is actually a pretty dangerous uh, a bomb that may explode at any time at any moment and that's what happened on August the sixth. All right, now what was your mission over there in in Beirut? So my well, I'm, I'm a thief. So just to let you know, it's it's a very great job to 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 have, which means I try to really steal people's kind of you know negative mindset, give them a little bit of hope. I'm also I'm also a, a, a physician. I'm a cappuccino friar. So it, it's a very nice, interesting Caesar salad. It's a good combination of of different skills. But our very first mission is was really to help Christians to have a, a medical uh, support and help, so they don't have to pay for it. They will never be charged for. Uh, we took under our, our wings every cost of, of medical intervention that we, we've been performing every day for, for the last 20 years, Mr. Connors. It's amazing. 20 years of our uh, medical work over there. So this is what we've been doing for all these 20 years. And of course, as a Franciscan, you know, I don't ask people, what's your ID? We try to help people. But um, most of the time, I was always excited to help Christians because these are our brothers and sisters that needs to be helped. Now, you're a Franciscan priest, but you're also a medical doctor. Correct, yes. Yes, I'm, I'm a vascular surgeon, and all my patients are alive, just to let you know. And But I also try to keep kind of a spiritual approach, because sometimes we need both, like a holistic approach. All right, now, what happened to the building that you were, your medical mission was in? 
so the building is gone only land is kind of you know, uh, that whatever left so what i'm gonna do i'm gonna put fences around uh, my dream is to rebuild, uh, maybe create a lighter structure, since now we know that nothing is forever. But the the building, we've lost also people, and the building is gone. Um, I'm sure if you if you Google the, the area, you can see it's just an empty space now. So what we try to do, we try to re rebuild the, the structure. It's going to take some time. As you know, we don't have electricity in Lebanon. We don't have really access to all these uh, amazing technologies that we have in, uh, here or in Europe. So it's going to take some time, but I keep my hope alive because after 20 years, I've learned one thing, that everything will be fine. It's going to take some time. So I take day by day. But we will rebuild that that, that structure. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if any of you are listening to the show, if, if you pay attention, we're going to have a commercial about St. Francis in Beirut, which... Uh, you know, not-for-profit we started a short time ago to help Father Paul rebuild his mission. Absolutely. I'm very grateful for that, Mr. Carlos, and, and also to to your son Michael and Beth, uh, your wife, because that's a tremendous help. Uh, so all my friends, yes, St. Francis in Beirut, this is our non-profit organization, and if you can help us, if you have time, if, you, if you're willing to help us, you know, every dollar counts, because that's what, how we, we can recreate that hope for our Christian community in Lebanon, because I think we, we can't just abandon them. It's, it's, not, it's not from the gospel. Gospel is telling us, let's go, let's help each other. It's all about love at the end of the day. Now, you were talking to somebody just a little while ago, and a lot of people are depressed right now in the U.S. because of the political situation. Mm -hmm the way the world is right now. Do you have any message for these people, for our listeners, really? Absolutely. So, um, my friend, if you drink your coffee now, or, or tea, or, or whatever you're drinking now, just please take day by day. Why? Because we don't have a control over what's going to happen for, for the next week or next month. Life is short. Look what COVID showed us, how miserable we are from so many different perspectives. We need each other. So take day by day and and also see in the gospel how many people in a such a bad um, mindset and very, very upsetting mindset, they, they were looking for Jesus Christ. If you remember, even disciples were saying, everyone is looking for you. Uh, if you have that moment, try to open the gospel. I'll put some nice kind of spiritual music. Keep your mindset uh, quiet for a moment, but take day by day. Do not overanalyze. Uh, I, I know watching the news these days, it's super frustrating. I can tell you also from my experience and, and, and Capuchin friends I know, um, America is going through such a hard um, time and, and changes and, and a lot of nonsense as well, I have to say. Uh, but take day by day and, and always remember that there is always a moment in the gospel where you're going to meet the person you would never even believe that has the same issues that yours. Uh, just try to see from the gospel a little bit of light, but take day by day, please. Do, do not overanalyze because you're going to be upset all the time. You know, let me, this is a little bit of a controversial thing. Maybe you want to comment on it, maybe not, but I, I was reading in, in a magazine that there was a priest in Wisconsin mm -hmm. who preached that a Catholic cannot vote for Democrats. And he was removed from his church mm -hmm. in, in Wisconsin. Do you have any comment on that? Sure. Well, well, that's the moment, again, where gospel, Jesus Christ was telling us a very beautiful thing. Just say yes or no. Anything else you want to say comes from the evil one. You have to, you have to uh, take a side. You have to decide. You can't. We can't serve both 
uh, sides at the same time. So if, if which is kind of uh, I would say traumatizing moment when I hear that the priest was removed from his uh, service or position just because he said that um, Catholics shouldn't vote. Uh, with for, for democrats because also we have to remember within our catholic values and christian values we are all for life right we are protecting life we are protecting people not just because it's it's a political correctness because if someone needs help someone needs help but if 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 now in, in your country there's a moment you can't even say uh, or share your values that that's something that paralyzes me because if, if your values are not recognized where is that moment your your values stopped being recognized? If you if you feel if you feel that your values are in danger, you have to also share that 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 moment with others. You have to tell others that your life, your your point of view, your ideas are also important because you know from the Christian perspective, uh, in general, not just Catholic, but from the Christian perspective, we protect life. And we protect people who need help. We can just we can just protect life and suddenly vote for somebody that is against life. Doesn't make any sense. That's what that's why Jesus Christ was telling us: just say yes or no. Anything else you have to say comes from the evil one. There's no third way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what a maloki is? No. Okay, I'll tell that story a little bit later. Okay, show, I only look smart, Mr. Carlos, right. But okay. yeah. Well, you're not Italian. Maybe but, one. So. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But uh, again, I think, uh, especially these days, um, and also that's what gospel is telling us, we have to stand up for ourselves. If we are afraid of, of, of sharing our, our, our values and our faith, I mean, who's going to do this if, if we will be gone? It, it's, that's something that we can teach the younger generation. Why, why this group is, is so, uh, you know, so... Um, I would say so noisy about their their values, their rights, and everything, and we we keep quiet. It shouldn't happen to us. I th I think as a Christian community, we always have to ha ha say something, and we need to say something. That's that's what it is. Yeah. What I don't understand is why is the bishop removes him. You know. Yeah. My... That's yeah. You know. You know the structure and the institution of of the church with a lot of mistakes to the history. We know that, uh, but it's still upsetting that twenty first century. Uh, someone who's supposed to be sharing the same set of values is actually against that so that's that's a that's a terrifying thing to 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 see you know we were talking this before we got on the air but why why do sometimes you know we all have the same gospel why do christians have so many divisions and mm, that's a great question i think um it, it comes from the idea that uh we can do better so every christian community uh, differently they, they 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 think oh we are like you know real believers or real followers but at the end of the day it's interesting when we when you go to heaven uh, just to let you know my friends all our listeners if you think that there is a different line for methodists and different line for, line for catholics you're wrong it's gonna be like at starbucks no one is separated we do the same line we have to wait we have to you know pay our our our, our duties um so i don't think i still believe it's a the church itself is united christians are are uh, are not united so that's something that we have to work on but i i truly believe that god is not really into all those details which which section uh, or which part you're coming from he just wants us to 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 share the same faith that we have from the gospel which is all about uh, love at the end of the day now let me ask you this mm -hmm. because again there's some new listeners on. I can guarantee you there are new listeners on mm. right now because of change in times and so forth. But who is St. Francis and what's the Franciscan movement? Oh, St. Francis from Assisi, yes, a rebel. Oh, my dear friends, a great rebel, Italian guy. So um, 
after after having his pasta early, early morning that's that's apparently what Italians do <laughs> uh, he was he was recreating the the gospel the message from the gospel for every single person and um, so it's interesting because as a rebel uh, the church told him it's not possible for you to live by the gospel rules and that was the Pope who was saying that that stuff to him and he never gave up so the first reform was rejected the second was rejected finally the third one was accepted so he created that beautiful franciscan movement that we have now and and i'm very happy to be a part of but as a rebel yes he told us we should never give up and actually rebels can write a history not just only like quiet people doing nothing yeah and when you mean rebels you don't necessarily you you know, there are different definitions of rebels because some people think rebels are only from the left. Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. Look, if you if you look at St. Francis' life, what he, he tried to accomplish, he even tried to convince his parents that they're wrong, which is kind of, you know, terrifying if you tell in, in Italy, if you're going to tell to your parents you're wrong, you know what's going to happen, no more pasta for you. <laughs> but I think Francis, as a rebel, uh, I would say from the spiritual perspective, he just realized it was, it was like an aha moment for him to see that something went wrong with the church as institution, as a structure, and that spring he brought to the to the church, to the community, that was his his way of being a rebel to say, no, this is wrong. We should do uh, things differently, and that's what he did, and that was amazing. Why did you become a Franciscan? Oh, because I'm a rebel too. Imagine if you tell your parents who are Lutherans, like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna be a Catholic now. That's a civil war at home. Imagine if you if you tell your friends I'm gonna be a Capuchin friend, and they're like, "What? What is this?" So, uh, I think I like that concept of doing things differently. And 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 believe me, after 20 years of of being a physician and a and a friar and and a Franciscan movement uh, uh, um, fan, it, it's a, it's a great combination. Sometimes people like they don't believe me I'm a priest or they don't believe me I'm a physician. So it's funny. It's it's it makes my life even more interesting. But I was always intrigued by by the idea of there's a moment you have to say no and see things from a different angle and perspective. Okay, well, you fly out tomorrow. Correct. Yes. So please uh, keep me in your in your prayers and uh, and and I'll, I'll keep you posted because I'll be back here, and I'll keep you informed. But please also keep our uh, Lebanese community in your prayers because they're going through such a hard time. If you know, if the Lebanese government is telling people we don't care about you, that's that's a scary part. So you know, please. What what's the history of Christianity in Lebanon? Oh, amazing history! Because actually, the moment uh, Saint Paul, Saint Peter, they 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 split their their responsibilities, and that's uh, Saint Paul. Actually, he was the one uh, spreading gospel and 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 good news to to a Lebanese people. I mean, I would say uh, uh, two thousand years ago. Uh, so the Christianity is, is from the moment disciples were sharing their, their their values and their beliefs, and also Jesus Christ was was also present at that time in Lebanon as well. Uh, we do have a Maronite church that comes from Saint Maroon, who is from Syria. Uh, so it's a very strong structure. It's uh, Christians over there. To be honest with you, I've learned more about my faith thanks to them than thanks to a Catholicism in Europe because. The structure is different. It's more dynamic in Lebanon, and the faith is really uh, such a tremendously uh, dynamic, energetic uh, movement, which is just amazing. All right. So have a safe journey. Absolutely. And you're going to come back to see us in, in absolutely. September? Yes, absolutely. And I, and I wish you, my, all, all our listeners, new and all listeners, and to you, Mr. Carlos, and your family, have a, have a blessed time. And please just take day by day, because that's what it is. And we'll, we'll make it. We'll go through together.
yeah, let's let's try to survive Joe Biden. Correct. Yes, that's going to be interesting. All right. Father Paul, thank you. And again, if anybody wants any further information about St. Francis in Beirut, you can always give our office a call at 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. Father Paul, thank you for being on Connors Corner. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, accompanied by my wife, Beth. Hey. And my son, Michael. Hello, everyone. Okay. You know, Father Paul's off back to back to the Middle East. Let's give him our prayers, his support. You know, like if you want to know how to support Father Paul, you can always give us a call at, at Connors and Sullivan. Meanwhile, we'll see you next week. Same time, stations. Hope to see you out there. Thanks so much for joining us. Bye-bye. We're here on hallowed ground to sing this all the way. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Voices raised, heads bowed down. We're gathered here on hallowed ground to sing this all the way. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.